listening to UWA Alumni's Pursue Inclusion podcast series. Thanks for downloading this episode. UWA is committed to an inclusive society where every life is respected as unique and valuable. Visit our website at pursueinclusion.uwa.edu.au to see how you can join with others in the UWA community to create positive change. Welcome to the Pursue Inclusion UWA podcast series. This is your host, Dr. James Kelly. I'm the host of Executives After Hours podcast, as well as the forthcoming book, The Crucible's Gift, Five Lessons from Authentic Leaders Who Thrive in Adversity. On today's episode, I have the pleasure to talk with Krista McMeekin, lawyer, Principal Policy Officer for the Commissioner for Children and Young People. Hi, Krista. How are you? Hi. Good, thanks. Did I get that right? Did I get that that mouthful right? Yep. Yep. It's a long one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, you know, this this is a series all around the idea of diversity and inclusion. But, you know, before we dive into the questions that I have, I would love to learn a little bit more about you and your journey. You've, You've been nominated and won several awards over the last five or six years. And I know sometimes it's a little uncomfortable to talk about yourself, but I'd love for you to give the audience a little bit of background about your journey and, and how you ended up to the principal policy officer position. So I grew up in Esperance, Western Australia, and I'm a Noongar woman. And I guess I had the blessed fortune of growing up in a, a small country community where um, everyone looks after everyone else. And that sort of saying around, it takes a village to raise a child really applies. And then I um, came to the city and undertook a law degree at UWA and um, found that maybe people in the city weren't as well connected as people in the country. And it's something that sort of stuck with me throughout legal practice. And then um, looking at the work that the Commissioner for Children and Young People does is really about speaking to children and, and having vulnerable voices and voices that are often ignored, heard. And that sort of fitted well with with my views and my values and, and my experiences. And I thought that was the job for me. And so um, I've taken a 12-month hiatus from my legal practice from selling my soul as a commercial lawyer, as some would say, <laughs> and uh, decided to get involved in um, the future of the state, I guess, in, in looking at our children and young people. I, I would frame that differently as you're trying to replenish your soul for the 12 months. <laughs> <laughs> Redeem myself. (laughs) From a positive perspective. That's fantastic. Well, well, thanks for joining me here. And and what I want to do, because I think this is really important, I want to do this for every episode, is I want to quickly define just loosely diversity versus inclusion. And diversity is the state of being diverse, where inclusion is the action or state of including or being included within a group. And so this kind of leads me to the first question that I have for you. In a world where discord gets really all the headlines, do you believe that most people in the world really want inclusion? Yeah, I do. Um, could just be an optimist, but I think, you know, headlines, they're with us every day now. They're on our phones, they're on our screens, and we sort of can't get away from them. But they're really about dramatizing events, selling newspapers, and making money. And they really just reflect the actions of a small and pretty often extreme minority, I think, rather than the majority across a whole range of issues. And a lot of those issues are social issues. And so they kind of come down to inclusion. And do you do you think we need inclusion to heighten our society? Or do you think we can live in our pods? <laughs> uh, I think we absolutely need inclusion. Um, I think it speaks to who we are as people, as, as human beings, and how we relate with each other. And I think you know, from a very practical perspective, I think we need inclusion so that our collective brain power is focused on the big issues facing us as human beings, like climate change. I don't think 
any one person's going to solve that alone. Mm-hmm. And then I think, you know, just on a human level, we need inclusion to give ourselves the greatest opportunity to enjoy the lives that we have, to experience things, to connect, to share, to try and understand different perspectives. And I think if nothing else, seeing and hearing different perspectives helps us reflect on our own values and, and really define who we are as people as well. Why do you think inclusion is so difficult to get? I guess we just, it's one of those natural things. You see everything from your own perspective and you kind of make all these assumptions around what's right and what's normal and how things should be done. And it doesn't necessarily really occur to us that other people might have a a different view or a different way of doing things or a different way of being. And so we just soldier on with our own perspective and without necessarily (laughs) realizing it consciously, actually start to exclude people. Yeah, I mean, I always found, you know, through my travels that, you know, we tend to have more in common than we do different. But to your point earlier, we tend to sensationalize the differences, not the similarities. Do you think that if we flip that script a little bit, so to speak, and focused on the sameness between different diverse cultural sets, that we would have a larger or greater impact? Absolutely. I think, I don't know if that makes sense or not. Yeah, I think there's so many fundamental things about being human, if you want to call it that, that apply regardless of your cultural background, location, whatever it might be. And I think, you know, we are all the same. We are all driven by the same things. We all want to be valued. We all want to be respected. We all want to feel like we have purpose. All those things are the same. So that, that's awesome. So then I guess that leads me to a question of then why is inclusion so important to you personally? Um, I think it's important to me because I understand what it's like to be excluded and I think exclusion can be very simple and minor. It can be more more complicated. I think there's a number of levels to it. You know, I was um, pretty quiet and academic at school, so I was excluded for being a nerd, which is like a form of social exclusion. Um, I'm a young person, so my views are often excluded from serious consideration because there's this perception that I have a lack of life experience and Therefore, I don't have a lot of value based purely on my age. You know, as a female, you can be viewed as not being serious about your career. You're going to run off and have children. And so you get excluded in that level. And then, you know, being a Noongar woman who's, you know, trying to reconnect with my culture, you can get other types of exclusion. And sometimes they're systemic and systemic, sorry. And sometimes they're overt. And, um, you know, racism can be a big issue in Australia. So I think, you know, having experienced sort of different levels of exclusion and, um, fitting sort of different minority pockets you sort of get to see what it's like to sit on the outside um my mum and sister are actually disabled as well so you know it's a very real form of exclusion when you have a disability and um really struggle to interact in the same way that other people might and so you, you keep just from from my curiosity perspective you keep referring to yourself as a noon noon noongar woman yeah can you explain to me what that is Personally, I don't know. Noongar is the Aboriginal group for the southwest of Western Australia. So it's a nation of different clans. So the clan for Perth is Wajuk. Mm-hmm. Um, in Esperance, we're a little less fancy. We just call ourselves Esperance Noongars. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's just it's just the tribal groups. And so it's an Aboriginal tribal group that, you, that your ancestors, that you're a part of. Correct. Okay. All right. Sorry, I was just curious. So all right. Um, and that's what that's I thought, okay. but I, I didn't want to assume. So then, you know... When we, <laughs> Because, you know, it makes an ass out of you and I, um, uh, mostly me at that point. So when we talk about why is inclusion important to you, I guess the next thing then I always curious about is how do you foster inclusion in the work that you do? Um, I guess I'm very lucky here at the Commissioner for Children and Young People because their work <laughs> is all about inclusion. 
um, of traditionally silent voices being children and young people and particularly vulnerable children and young people. That old sort of adage around children should be seen and not heard really doesn't apply here. Mm-hmm. But I think my work in various committees also focuses on how we can have a more collaborative and productive society by addressing different issues around inclusion. So Indigenous disadvantage, I see on the West Australian Aboriginal Advisory Council, and that's about strategic direction and policy in that area. I sit on a couple of law society and law council committees around systemic access issues in the legal system, particularly, again, for Aboriginal people. And I also sit on a couple of boards, Celebrate WA. It's all about bringing West Australians together and sharing the experience of being West Australian and being lucky enough to be West Australian and what that means and what we value and looking at that that sameness that you mentioned earlier that brings us all together. And I also sit on the Museum for Freedom and Tolerance and that seeks to build our common understanding and challenge racism and prejudice. And again, that's really founded in the sameness that makes us all human and the things that we all experience together and really understand as a way of tackling that that exclusion. And so you just gave a number of different committees and activities that you do that are about inclusion, but can you give me an example of how you employ inclusion in your in your daily life? I think it's actually just trying to stop and think about how we do things. So uh, if I mean, I'm relatively new to this job, if I wanted to catch up with all my colleagues socially outside of work and decided that I'd put drinks on at five o'clock on a Friday and um, there's a new cool rooftop bar down the road so we'd all go there Um, and I think that's a really great idea but then when I kind of sit and think about it um, most of our staff work part-time and actually the least staff are in the office on a Friday and most are in on a Wednesday. Um, Half the staff have uh, child responsibilities outside of work and so a lunchtime really works better for them and then you know if I'd had a colleague that had recently had a bit of a car accident and and broken a leg and was on crutches then the rooftop bar is not such a great idea either and so you kind of come to the conclusion that wow getting together is a you know a great idea but maybe it needs to be a Wednesday lunchtime thing just down the road on a ground level I I guess when you you kind of painted painted a really really sad picture like you know (laughs) like of all these different but I mean that's the reality of life is the complication you know I always think of inclusion always from like the the different race or ethnic background perspective but really inclusion is can be implemented across a variety of different ways in an organization yeah i think we kind of go to i don't want to say extremes that's not really right but you know we think of, of race and culture and um lgbti issues and you know women on boards when we think about diversity and inclusion and i think sometimes we miss the, the kind of smaller stuff that, but mm-hmm. that really affects your everyday lives of your employees and your colleagues that's awesome. I never thought, I mean, again, I think I fall into that trap of thinking of inclusion almost as the same as diversity, right? So, but, you know, I want, so here's the thing. I was, I was just on a uh, moderated panel this weekend about essentially taboo topics in the workplace, which is all about diversity uh, in the workplace and how you, how you deal with the different type of people, whether it's LGBT, whether it is, you know, uh, African-American in my case or whatever, like how you deal with that. But one of the one of the panelists kept saying, you know, James, stop thinking about it in terms of race, right? And it's so hard as a white male sometimes to get out of your own way and think of inclusion and diversity as as simple as life constraints. I have kids, I have a broken leg, you know, maybe one of the people don't drink, you know? Like like that whole entire process of inclusion isn't necessarily about diversity in the sense of how we traditionally use it 
it's in a almost in a more simplistic sense of diversity of down to to the individual need whatever that is or constraint i don't know if that makes sense but it's 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 not always the same way that most of us think about it i guess is my point yeah and i guess for me that's where it comes in with how do we tackle you know diversity and inclusion and exclusion is just having open conversations with people i think putting away those assumptions we have about how people work and what's going to be best and actually just chatting to people about you know what works for you what doesn't work for you what would be good what's a problem and then you kind of these things come out of the woodwork and you start thinking about things in a different way because yeah being a young person not having kids myself quite enjoying a drink on a Friday um, and quite happy, happy to go to the bar after work but it doesn't necessarily work for everyone and I think the other thing about inclusion is I think often people think by you know including everyone that you lose something I don't know, I don't know what it is but it, it seems to happen but I guess in the example I gave in you know kind of readjusting things to be lunchtime on a Wednesday you're actually gaining something you know everyone's there everyone's interacting everyone's included so you're not losing something you're just doing it a bit differently. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Okay, final question, and thank you for your time. Many people never go beyond diversity in their thinking about inclusion. So I guess the question is, how do we create a society that does more than just accept the differences between two people, where we take that a step further and we engage in constructive conversations with each other and embrace the differences as part of that? I think it's really built on what I was just saying and that it's how we view it. So not seeing that difference as, you know, a detraction or a negative or, a, you know, a hurdle we've got to get over um, and really starting to look at the strengths that inclusion brings in the same way that, you know, the movement for more diversity on boards has seen the inherent value of difference of perspectives being explored, particularly for women and what they bring to the table. Inclusion's the same, you know, we are brought together and can exceed through our difference. You know, you come up with new solutions, you find new ways to deliver on your goals, in a more comprehensive way, in a more effective way to reach new target audiences if you're talking about an organisation. So I think it's about how we view it. And I think once you realise that including everyone means you get more out of it and you get more voices around the table and you get a greater outcome, then you've got the motivation and the interest to really engage with inclusion. So even if it doesn't affect you sort of personally, you're not excluded or you don't know, you know, don't have a close relationship with someone that's excluded because that tends to be kind of what motivates us as human beings. I think mm -hmm. once we really start to understand how it can bring us all forward, then you get that sort of inherent motivation to really start thinking about these things and, and start having some conversations with people and really try to understand their perspective and, and what works for them. Yeah, I think the key thing, if I was to summarize that, is try to look through the lens of someone else's eyes, so to speak. And if you can start from that position, it, it makes having a conversation about inclusion much easier than starting from using your own perspective. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, so Krista McMeekin, lawyer extraordinaire, thank you for being part of the Pursue Inclusion UWA podcast series. Thanks so much for having me. We hope you enjoyed listening to UWA's Alumni Pursue Inclusion podcast. Make the commitment to leave no one behind by taking part in our movement towards an inclusive society. Join an inclusion project or inspire others to act through the great work you are already doing by visiting pursueinclusion.uwa.edu.au.